Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. That's right, it is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. Myself, Brandon Scott, here with you with Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez, handling everything for us behind the scenes. We are back with you after a week. We missed you guys for a week, had some scheduling things to handle up on, but there's not a better time to be with you than now as, you know, the the Rockets are uh, about to have one of the more significant moments in draft history possibly coming up here, uh, which we will get to in just a moment. That is definitely what this episode is going to be about uh, with Adam and myself as we talk about the significance of this lottery coming up, and we're going to do some on-air stuff too. That is That is planned for us on Sports Radio 610 to come to you guys on Tuesday when the lottery is actually happening. But for now, Adam, let's start with this because the most relevant thing at the moment, just as we speak and record here now on Sunday night, is the elimination of the Philadelphia 76ers and what that might mean for James Harden's possibilities in free agency. Could he possibly come back to the Rockets? It's like the worst kept secret really to the point now to where it's not even a secret at all. Everybody knows about it. It's it's something that everybody talks about with his possible reunion with the Rockets looming large and free agency. First of all, let me get your reaction to how James Harden played in these playoffs and whether you think, I don't know the answer to this, but whether you think that there's anything that happened in these playoffs that could impact one way or the other from either Harden's standpoint or the Rockets' standpoint, how things play out in free agency with James Harden and a possible Rockets reunion. Um, he was inconsistent, I guess would be the best way to put it for how he played during this postseason. Um, the lows were very low. And today was he was bad today. He was he was really bad today. He was indecisive. He was ineffective. Uh, he, he was bad. But he also showed you within this same series that he can be elite still. And I, I know he was really bad today. But they don't get to today without James Harden in games one in game and game four. I mean, he basically won them two games. One of those games was, was without Joel Embiid, and the other was when he took over the fourth quarter in game four against in that series. So, yeah, again, today was really bad. But the fact that he showed that he, he showed that he has a lot left in the tank and that he can still be an, an excellent player, and he showed you that all year long. So what he did over the course of an 82-game season, especially after he dealt with the foot injury when he came back in December, he led the league in assists. He remains an elite playmaker. Now, there are some aspects of his game that have certainly gotten worse, and there are some things that he'll need to clean up and improve over this next stretch as he gets towards the end of his career. But he is a guy that if you are looking to win basketball games, he is a guy that you want on your team. Yeah, I I just think it's such an interesting discussion because all of the arguments against the best arguments against it are more so emotional and tied to things that don't really have much to do with what's going on now with the Rockets, right? Like it, it's a lot of, hey, well, I don't like the way that he left and a lot of that. I think the the most valid arguments against it are ones that you and I have discussed on this podcast and elsewhere as far as the contract, what's the what's the number of years? There, it, it seems almost impossible that he would get paid less than the max, but do we all agree or it, would it be, is he actually a max player? Which, you know, is he a max player in name because he's James Harden or is he actually a max player right now as they sign the contract or as they would sign the contract? I think that's a legitimate discussion to have. But as far as like basketball, he provides a lot of the things, and you were just hitting on it, but he provides a lot of the things that the Rockets are lacking and could stand to benefit from. Like if if you remove the name and the history from James Harden, which you obviously cannot do, but if you did that and gave James Harden's player profile for what is it that the Rockets need to address either in free agency or the draft? Like, like, just what do they need to add to make their team better in terms of what they're lacking? They're obviously one of the worst teams in the NBA, so they could add a, stand to add a lot. But chief among them, I think, would be sh- shooting and playmaking. And he he provides both of those things at a close to elite level. What else would you say? Let me, let me, let me add one more thing to that. 
He adds somebody who knows what they're doing. And far too often, this team has had five guys on the floor, none of whom know what they're doing. Oh, oh so let, me, let, me, let me let me do that, and I'll let you finish. Let me just let me complete that then. Shooting, here's the things that would improve significantly if the Rockets added James Harden, and I'll let you finish. They're shooting, their shot creation, the quality of shots that they get, and their overall basketball intelligence. Yes. That's the point that I was trying to make. Their overall basketball intelligence would go up significantly, and I think that there is some value in that, especially right now when your most important players are as young as they are for the Rockets right now. And you look at it too, it's not like he's taking minutes away from somebody else. Like you look at point guard. All right, Kevin Porter Jr. probably moves to the bench. That's okay. I mean, I think that at this stage, you kind of have a good feel for what Kevin Porter Jr. is. He is probably not a high-level starting point guard in the NBA. But do you know what he could be? He could be an elite sixth man coming off your bench and running a second unit. He could be elite at that. So it takes away maybe some opportunities from Porter, but it puts him in a role where he is probably better suited. But you're taking away minutes from Dacia Nix and from Ty Ty Washington. I think I, I think you would probably say that the time has come for Dacia Nix to no longer be getting opportunities with this team. Ty Ty Washington is a young, you know, first round pick, but I don't think that anybody would say that he is a can't miss type of prospect. I don't think that anybody is going to say that Ty Ty Washington is a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to be that. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I am selling him short. It's very possible, but off of what I've seen off of where he was, I mean, he was drafted 29th overall. It's not like the league thought that he was some hot prospect. He was the 29th pick in the draft. He doesn't have great size. You know, we, we know we've talked about his faults plenty uh, over the course of the season. So you're taking away some opportunities from him, but it's not like Harden's going to play 82 games either. So those opportunities will still be there uh, whenever he gets, you know, on, on the days where Harden doesn't play, but it gives everybody an opportunity to, to me, they we they need to be better. I mean, let's just let's just stay flat out. They have won 42 games over the last two years. That's not going to work anymore. You cannot do that anymore. You have to start adding real players to this roster, guys who know what they're doing. And you look at the list of guys who are going to be free agents this summer. James Harden is number one on that list. He so you have an opportunity to add the best free agent on the market who just led the NBA. He led the entire NBA in assists. Think about that. You have a chance to add somebody who was the best at one thing in the NBA this season, add him to your roster without having to give up any sort of an asset. You don't get many opportunities to do that. So for me, and I'm taking a motion and all this stuff out, this is purely a basketball move as for a purely basketball move. You have to do this because you have to be better next year. And he makes you better. All right, so I feel like you just made pretty much the strongest argument that you can make for why they should do it. The the reasons why the 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 pros I should say in in pursuing James Harden. So let's let's break down the arguments against it real real quick and and offer up some responses, some rebuttals to these things since they're out there. All right, you yeah. know, to just to address the other side of the argument. All right, number one, and I'll. I'll deal with them in terms of validity and go all the way down. Let's let, let, let's start at the top, the contract. Okay. What do you say to the argument? Let's say, and I hate to be straw man here, but what do you say to the argument that, or the idea at least that James Harden is not coming here for less than the max. What is the, is, is there a proper number to where you're, you know, entertaining this James Harden idea or possibly backing out? Like, is there is there a number that's too much, I guess, is the shorter way to ask it. There is not, for me, a per-year dollar figure that I'm backing out. The years are where it gets tricky. And so if Harden comes to you and says, I want two years, I want the two-year max, fine, sign me up. Go ahead and, and write out the contract. Sign, you know, sign, schedule the press conference. It's an easy decision. If he comes to you and he says, I want the four-year max, then that's where we got to have a think. That's where you have to really talk about it. But on the other hand, where is he getting that contract from? Where is he getting the four-year max from? Yeah. There are teams out there with cap space, but who's going there? 
who is going there with 34 year old James Harden? Like somebody like Detroit, Detroit doesn't really need a point guard. You know, that's not a position of need for that team because they have Cade Cunningham, because they have Jaden Ivey. So they're set there. You know, there are other, you know, San Antonio. Is James Harden going to go to San Antonio? No, he's not going to San Antonio. So go ahead and cross that off. The, you can cross Detroit off the list too. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. So, so basically it comes down to, is Philly willing to give him the four-year max? Now, from a Sixer standpoint, you kind of have to. Well, I shouldn't say you have to, but if you lose Harden, you're losing him for nothing. And there is no way to replace him. That's where the NBA is difficult for these teams and where sometimes you're stuck having to overpay guys because you can lose a player. Like, you know, the Sixers could lose James Harden, but they won't have any cap space. It's not like they're going to get this $38 million in cap space if they let him go because that's just not how the cap works. They're already well over the cap. So if they lose him, they essentially lose him for nothing. It, you just saw this with Dallas where Dallas chose not to pay Jalen Brunson. They, or I shouldn't say they wanted to. He didn't take their money. They lost him for nothing. They had no way to really replace him. So that's why if you're Philly, you are in a sense backed into a corner where you, you might feel like you have no choice but to give him the four years. If Philly is willing to give him the four years, if I'm the Rockets, I really have to think twice about that. And I don't know if I would do it. But if he's willing to take the two, I would do the two. Yeah. So I'm right where I'm right there with you with the two. This is the whole thing that baffles me about all of it, Adam. Honestly, man, it's the the idea that the Sixers would not double down on James Harden after what he produced for them this year. And the idea that James Harden would not double down on the Sixers after as close as they were able to get there. And I understand we're, we're right here on the heels of disappointment. They had a lead in the series, probably should have won. It had a very, let's just, let's just be honest about it, man. It had a very like disappointing end to this season, man. Like the game that they should have won in game six, uh, and like the way that they ended that game, lifeless and, and gutless it felt like. And then just the, the second half of game seven, like they they had a real opportunity there to obviously be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and like I, I think it's a, a a huge disappointment just in the way that they played. Not in losing to the Boston Celtics, mind you. Like the, the Celtics are who they are, but like just the way that they played at the end, I think is really disappointing. But I wouldn't lose sight of if I'm Philly, I wouldn't lose sight of the value that James Harden brought overall. That that's that is what you talk about removing emotion from this discussion. That's what's so amazing about it. For me, observing it, man, like, right, you got so many Rockets fans that are like, nah, never James Harden again because of, you know, how, how the, we understand how things ended. But then even over in Philly, with the success that they had this year, and I get that they're disappointed with how it ended, You, I hear a lot of people like, yeah, take them, take James Harden back. And I'm like, how does, how do, how are there people in Philly and in Houston who do not want this guy who clearly makes either of their teams better, raises the ceiling of, either team the the philadelphia 76ers are not in the semifinals with a chance to go to the conference finals without james harden a couple of games that they won was because of the brilliance of james harden and i get that he didn't show up in some of the games that they lost and then obviously the rockets ain't been worth a damn since he left so and, and are somewhat thirsty to bring him back to make him relevant again like the actual organization itself so like it's just a, a fascinating place to be with a guy like this who brings so much value to a team and the discussion being so like, I don't know about this guy, you know, it's just a it's just a weird thing. But but at least the, the discussion about the money is relevant because of where he is in, you know, in terms of age and how different his game is from the time where he last, I guess, signed a, a, a max contract or was last considered to be a max player. And, and let's not forget, he wasn't the best player on the Sixers this year. That was Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid missed two playoff games and the Sixers won them both. Why do you think they won those two playoff games without Joel Embiid? It's because of James Harden, and that's how good he still is. And against that, that that Boston team is so good, and I think that that gets lost on people a little bit, just how good that they have been the last two years. They were in the finals last year. They probably should have won the finals last year. Uh, I, I think a lot of people felt like they were the best team in the East. They kind of had a slide uh, at, at one point during the season, and it was a, a weird year for them. But that's a great team on both ends of the floor. He put up 40-plus against them twice in a playoff series. He won them two games in a playoff series. That's how good he actually was. They won 50-plus games. 
He wasn't healthy at the start of the year. He got better as the season went along. And yeah, he, he was really bad. You know, the four, you know, he had the three, he had the two amazing games in this series. Uh, he had one, if he game, you know, he was okay in game five. And then he has some clunkers. He had some, he had four clunkers in this series and they were absolute clunkers, especially when they needed him. But you can't, you have to get to this stage in order to lose in this stage. You know, like if, if you're not good enough to get to this stage, then what's the point? And so for, for Philly, yeah, you would like to have seen him play better, but you also are glad that you got to that round to begin with. And also it's not like he's the best player and it's not like he's the only, the only star on that team who completely flamed out today. You know, the MVP of the league was really bad also. So maybe he's point some fingers over in that direction as well. So for me, for, for Philly, and this is a Daryl Morey decision, and this is an ownership thing too, because it's going to be a lot of money that they would have to offer up. So to me, for Philly, it's a no-brainer. They have to do everything they can to bring him back. The question for for Harden, and I don't know what his motivation is. I, I don't know if he just if maybe he doesn't like Philly. Maybe he doesn't like living up there. Maybe he doesn't like the cold. Maybe he doesn't like the Northeast. You know, he wouldn't be the first one. Maybe he just wants to come back here. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But for Philly, I, for both teams, to me, it's a no-brainer that you have to try and get him. Did Did you see how he answered that question after the after the game? I guess it's in the locker room. And they're doing, you know, the scrums that we do. And they ask him about his relationship. Somebody asked him about his relationship with Doc. And, and we know how, how Harden can be kind of monotone and, and emotionless in his answers. And, and it, you probably shouldn't read too much into that because he's pretty consistent with that. But he's like, our relationship is fine. Yeah, and again, I'm not there. We know that a lot of times moments from press conferences and media scrums get clipped and they can lack some context. If you're not there, you, you know, you don't necessarily understand it fully, but it was like, it gave the vibes of it. it was really kind of when I got the wheels in motion of, okay, this could actually happen. Cause it doesn't feel like, you know, and not that James Harden is going to be lovey dovey and mushy and emotional or anything, but it does not feel like, based off of that answer, you know, like he could have given more for that answer, you know, and, and based off of that answer, it didn't feel like there's a, a, a tie there. I don't know if you saw that or, or read anything into how he was post game. I only saw the quote. I haven't actually seen the clip, but I, I don't think doc is coming back from everything. Yeah, I've sure. heard, from everything I've heard doc is done. So yeah. I don't even think that, that that part of it matters. I think if anything, the relationship with Daryl Morey might matter more than anything else at this point. And I, I think Josh Harris is still the owner, right? He didn't have to yeah, give up yeah. his he didn't have to give up his yeah. part of the team when he bought the commanders. You know, he owns the he owns them, he owns the Flyers, and he owns the commanders. So he uh, so Josh Harris has a really good relationship with James Harden as well. So the relationships will probably matter in this thing more than anything else. And I, I don't I don't think that James Harden has been like a big fan of anyone who's coached him aside from Mike D'Antoni because as he said and he joked he you know I remember uh, Kim Davis asked him this at Media Day in 2019 like what what is it about Mike D'Antoni that you like so much and his answer was he lets me do whatever I want and he was joking but it was one of those things where he was joking but he wasn't joking and you know, when when James jokes he's not really joking so that was you know remember we, he did the thing about the 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 vaccination with Kyrie is like I'll give him the shot myself if I have to. Yes, yes, he, he was so serious. He was so serious. No, he was but dead yes, serious. It's one of those things where when he tells a joke, it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's kind of being very serious also, and he means it. So, so I don't think that Doc's going to be the head coach. I, somebody did float that hey, what if Mike D'Antoni winds up in in Philly? It, it's very possible that you could see a reunion there. So I, I think it becomes one of the more interesting. It, it obviously. From our standpoint, and you can even say the league, the James Harden, this this is going to be the most interesting part of the offseason. Because I, I know he was a free agent last year, but there was nobody out there that could really sign him. He was coming off of, of a postseason where he was hurt. You know, things around him weren't great. They are much better now. But to me, this is going to be the most interesting story of the offseason. And it's good because it's in our backyard, so we get to talk about it. Yeah, so let's let's go back into, especially since we're talking about Harden quotes and his motivations and and, and him not joking but not joking. Let's dig into a, one more of these like uh, 
you know, one more of these cons, I guess, one more of these arguments against James Harden coming back, like the the leadership argument. And we've discussed it on this podcast before, the connection that he has with Jalen Green and some of the younger players on the Rockets. But there is also this idea of, hey, you're bringing in a guy who's, you know, you, you say he's going to come in and and help develop help with the development of these young players, but he hasn't shown this knack for leadership or stepping up in big moments. Like, honestly, like game seven that we're talking about here and some of his, you know, previous moments and past in the playoffs and all of that. Like, why why do you want to bring in a guy who is a proven underperformer in big moments to be the one that shows the young guys the way? I don't necessarily think that argument is entirely fair. I understand it. I don't think it's all the way thought through, but it's out there. What would be your response to it? I know you've heard it too. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Just flat out. I think it's ridiculous. And you can go through, look at Nick Claxton from Brooklyn crediting James Harden for the way that he's, he developed. And that's not even somebody who plays his position, but he played with James Harden for not even a full season. I think that it may be a little bit more than a full season. And he credited James Harden for, for getting him better. And then he, what about Tyrese Maxey? Tyrese, uh, James Harden basically took minutes away from Tyrese Maxey. And Maxey said he blossomed when Harden arrived. So Tyrese Maxey has become a very good player in the NBA. And he credits his development to James Harden. So to sit there and say that, oh, he's he's not the type of guy that you want around your young guys. He's not going to make them better. There is no evidence to say that that's the case. And in fact, all the evidence says the contrary. All the evidence says that young players tend to get better when they play with James Harden. Is he maybe the best example to be around? I don't know. I'm not around the guy. But all I know is, all, all I can go by is what I see on the floor and what players tell you. And sometimes you have to listen to the players. And when a player tells you that my game blossomed because of James Harden, then sometimes you have to listen to that player. And so when Tyrese Maxey says that about Harden, who took his position and they're playing together, you know, all this stuff, then I'm going to listen to what Tyrese Maxey has to say. So to me, that's important. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think even more so, like even more than just listening to the player. And I, I think you would agree with this. I think you could just watch and, and see if what the player is saying lines up with what you see on the basketball court. Because I think you will run into a lot of times, not to play devil's advocate, but I think you will run into a lot of times guys will just say nice things about guys just to say nice things about That's guys. Very fair. And, That's very fair. And, and, and sometimes we get, and we, we're experienced in this, a lot of times we'll get empty quotes that don't really line up with what we're watching, what data we have, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But to your point, everything that Tyrese Maxey says or has said and that Nick Claxton has said about James Harden lines up about with what you have seen from them on the court and more than likely what a lot of the data would tell you about how their games improved and, and how they became better players with him being around them. So I, I think you should, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about James Harden leader pros and cons there I think you should think about that like being more so of like hey what did I actually see from these guys on the court as opposed from going back to earlier when we we're talking about the emotional side of the argument a lot of the anti-James Harden rhetoric comes down to these big moments which I think I think do deserve highlighting and scrutiny like it's all fair when you get down to the playoffs and you talk about how an all-time great performs in the big moments James Harden deserves to be and should be held accountable for how he performs in moments like this as an all-time great player like you you can't work around it there's no way around the fact that he has come up short in a lot of moments he's had some good moments but he's come up short a lot of times in big moments but that does not erase the fact that to your earlier point you've got to get here somehow and he's one of those guys, Adam, I never forget this. And I don't know if you were there at, at, at the press conference when he like first got signed or when he was first traded for, but I, I remember I was watching, I, I wasn't covering the team yet, but I remember at one point him just mentioning or, or somebody was asking him about leading a team or something like that. And he was just, his point was, I'm one of, he said that his quote was basically, I'm one of those guys. And he's talking about like the LeBron Jameses of the world and all of the like number one guys because he was going from being a supporting guy, six man from Oklahoma City to being the main guy in Houston. 
And his point was, I am one of those guys. And at the time I was like, okay, we'll see. Cause I didn't know, you know, I hadn't, he hadn't played enough, you know, to, to have that role. I was like, okay, we'll see. And sure enough, like from his first game and from that moment forward, he was one of those guys. He's at a point now in his career where he is not exactly that guy, but that's not the guy that the Rockets would be signing or would be looking for. They're looking for a guy that, feels a couple of very urgent needs for them in order to be competitive. The ones that I mentioned earlier about playmaking, helping them create better shots and, and get better shots and actual shot making. Cause he can shoot and they don't have a whole bunch of guys that can shoot. And then the overall basketball intellect, which is something that cannot be understated or overstated, I should say, uh, because they're so young and they had a, a coach, a first time head coach and, um, and, and, you know, and somebody who struggled to sometimes get the attention of, of guys who were tired of losing, like like they they need some sort of, I think, reinvigoration that I think James Harden could provide, like aside from all of that other stuff that or I should say narrative stuff that's that's tied to him. They would ask him to do a lot early, like they will ask him at the beginning to be the guy. But then as their young guys start to get better the responsibility for him will decrease. And so as he gets older, they will ask him to do less, which I, which is what I think is important with this whole thing. And they would kill to be in a position where their second best player could flame out in game seven of the conference semifinals. They would kill for that right now. They haven't played an important game in three years. The last time they played an important game, Bill O'Brien was coaching the Texans. That was like eight coaches ago. That's how long it, it's been for them. So they yeah. actually. So so let me just bring up one other. We were, hey, we were we were wearing masks. Yeah. The last time, and I'll well, let you get back to your point. Not well, in well, well, not in Texas, but no. The last time they were playing an important game, do you remember what the controversy was? James Harden showed up to the bubble in like a blue mask that people were like, is he, is he a cop? And it's like, what? He's just got a mask on. He has, and he is, he does not care about that at all. He has no idea what you're talking about, but anyway. But the, the, the one other con that, that I have seen get made, and this goes back now the last few months, he will stunt the growth of their young players, which do you know what, do you know what stunts the growth of young players? It's putting them in a situation where they're going to lose 60 games. That's how you stunt the growth of young players. Guy, young players get better when they are put in a position where they have to win games. They are put in a position where they are playing games that actually matter. Jalen Green and Alperen Shingun have been in the NBA for two years. They have yet to play a game that matters. They have yet to play a game that has had any sort of intensity in it. That's how you stunt the growth of your young. I, I think probably the biggest game that Jalen Green and Alperin Chingun have played in their first two NBA seasons was the Rising Stars Challenge or whatever that thing is called. That's been it. That's been the most eyes that they have had on them in any game their first two seasons in the NBA. That's how young players don't improve. So if you put if you force young players into situations where they actually need to start winning games and they are playing crunch time night after night after night after night and they're not losing by 25 at halftime every single game, that's how you get those guys better. And adding a really good player to a very young team will help get those guys better. Maybe they'll take fewer shots. Maybe they'll maybe their minutes will decrease ever so slightly. But you know what? They're going to be in a situation where they are competing night in and night out and that's how those guys get better. Yeah, I made this point on Twitter, Adam, that one of the most entertaining parts of the intellectual debate about this is that the Rockets, who could only dream of being a part of a conference semifinals, much less in the game seven with a chance to go to the finals, conference finals, the idea that they could thumb their nose at a player for underperforming in a conference semifinals, in a game that they themselves could never play in. They could never play as cons as currently constructed, and certainly without said player, right? Uh, like they have it since that player left, and or like I mentioned earlier, want him to come back to help them get to that place. Like the idea that they could thumb their nose, and even the fan base could thumb their nose at a player like that, when you have not been that level of competitive or relevant, and you know, three years in a long time is fascinating to me and also goes to show how much of it is 
tied to like emotion and, and somewhat irrational, like not necessarily tied to logic and reason. They are 42 and 122 the last two years. They have played more national TV games in summer league, exponentially more national TV games in summer league than they have in the regular season. So they, they need to start winning basketball. And let's not forget their first round pick goes to Oklahoma city. So you can maybe go a different route in free agency and Hey, that's fine. But you could also lose 55 games and you're giving Oklahoma city what will probably be a top five to 10 pick. So if they're not a, a top 10 pick, if that's what you want to do, go on ahead. But that doesn't seem to be the best way of doing business for them moving forward. Okay. Since you went to that, Austin, let's go to the offseason alternatives instead of the next one. And we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll flip it around. Let's do offseason alternatives real quick. Since you mentioned that, let's say that, that the anti Harden crowd gets its wish. And, and we've expressed our opinions here on why we think it makes a lot of sense for them to pursue Harden. Even if there's a, a you know a lot of emotion from the types of people that would listen to this podcast that think, hey, don't do it, and it's divided. Let's let's not speak for everybody or anything. We know it's divided. There there's a a heavy hardened fan base as well because I hear from them as well. But let's just talk about alternate routes. If they if they don't pursue Harden, or it, it, let's even characterize it differently, or if Harden and and Philly view it the way I view it, which is that they're better off with each other. That That's the way, like, Rockets aside, I know this is a Rockets podcast, but I think I mentioned it earlier. To me, it makes the most sense for Philly and Harden to look at each other and say, hey, we're, we're pretty good. We're pretty damn good together. Let's, let's, let's run this back. Let's do this again, especially if it's on a short-term deal. Hey, we only want to do this for a couple of years. Here's what our window looks like. Embiid's a big guy. He's in an MVP window here. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, add some more players to the supporting cast. Cause let's be honest, the problem with the Sixers was not necessarily, I know Harden had some clunkers there at the end, but James Harden and Joel Embiid overall were not the problem. They could have used more around them. Tyrese Maxey developed, but if they could improve that team, maybe put some more onus on Daryl Morey or whoever, like I would want to run that back. But if you're the Rockets and Harden either is not an option or turns out to not be, in your best interest as an option what what do you think are the best offseason alternate routes for them in terms of getting better aside from the obvious which we'll get to in a moment with the lottery well let me say one thing about philly really quick because if they, they, they could go to to hard and say hey we're going to give you the four years and then we're going to do something with this tobias harris spot you know tobias harris is a big contract it expires after next season we're going to improve this spot to make things easier on you so then you have Embiid, harden maxi and whoever they put in the Tobias Harris space, that I think is a way that Philly gets better. But onto the Rockets, um, they need a point guard. Point guard is a big position of need for them. Uh, take some of the pressure off of Kevin Porter Jr. Um, and there are obviously lottery ramifications that come with that. But I'm just going to run through the other point guards that are available in free agency this year. Harden, we've talked about. Kyrie Irving, that's a no. Fred Van right. Vliet. Fred Van Vliet. Excuse me. Fred Van Vliet, probably a no. Um, D'Angelo Russell, that's a no. Russell Westbrook, that's a no. Um, Dennis Schroeder, probably a no. Uh, Trey Jones, that's an interesting name. He's a restricted free agent, but that's not somebody who's raising your ceiling. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a backup point guard, more yes, than likely. That Trey Jones would have been perfect for them this year when Kevin Porter Jr. missed the 20 games. But that's not that's not taking you, you know, they're trying to get from 22 wins into high 30s low 40s next year adding trey jones to the mix isn't getting you there now there are some other free agents that will be out there and some other options that they have but nobody gives you the ceiling that james harden would so i mean you look at like the top free agents out there and let me pull up the list really quick um yeah you mentioned them uh, a couple of them with Kyrie and of course james harden chris middleton is out there that's somebody who's been – I think Kelly had had um, Chris Middleton linked to them. That, to me, is – that's that's not going to work at all just because no. he, <laughs> he was bad this year, and, and he's been hurt more than, than Harden has. Um, so top players available, uh, and this is from Hoops Hype, but they, they have them ranked. Uh, we went through the top – the top three are the point guards, uh, and then you get into Chris Stapps Porzingis. 
That's yeah. a no. You're not you're not giving Kristaps Porzingis any sort of a max. Uh, Chris Middleton just talked about that's a no. Nikola Vucevic, that's a no. Draymond Green is interesting, but he would probably just go back to Golden State, assuming that they still want him. If they don't, then we can talk. Jeremy Grant, that's interesting, but. I don't know. That kind of seems like you're taking minutes away from Jabari Smith right there, which doesn't seem like it would make a whole lot of sense. Brooke Lopez, that's been talked about, but why, why are they doing? No, that's not, he's 30 something years old and basically is a system type player. He works within that system in, in Milwaukee, but that but, hasn't really worked. Would give you, would give you shooting and improve your defense. I think, I, I think that's the argument for it. I, like, I don't know what the money looks like, but shooting and defense would be my argument for it. It would, but how much are you giving Brooke Lopez? And, yeah, they, I don't know. you know, then what are you doing with Shingun? And, you know, it's, yeah. that's, a, that's kind of a clunky fit. Kyle Kuzma's interesting. You know, Kyle Kuzma is somebody that, that I would, that I would look at. And then you get kind of further down the list. I, I like Jakob Pertl as a player. I think that that kind of, you know, he's not much of a rim runner, but he's somebody that could be useful, at least defensively. Austin Reeves is somebody who I think would really help them, uh, but he's a restricted free agent. And uh, I think the Lakers are, are maxed by how much they can actually match with the offer sheet. But I do think somebody like Austin Reeves would help them. But again, once you get below the first guy on the list, it's not great. And yeah. I can tell you, well, they could just roll, they could just roll the cap space over for a year. Yeah, they, they could do that, but then you're probably losing a lot of games next year. Once again, because the West is so good. Look at the West. Just look how good the West is right now. There are eight teams that made the playoffs in the Western conference. Are any of those eight teams falling out of the playoff mix next year? Memphis is kind of a wild card with the whole Morant thing. Minnesota's in kind of a weird spot, I guess, but that team should still be really good. And then you look at the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Oklahoma City is going to be really good. New Orleans is going to be really good if all those guys stay healthy. Um, who am I missing out of the teams that, that missed the playoffs in the West? Like, you know, all those teams are like getting better. So like you have to climb a lot of mountains in order to win more games next year and making improvements around the margins that's not going to get it done. And then your pick just goes to Oklahoma city. So it's important for Dallas is going to be better next year. Um, really the only team in the West that won't be better that uh, I'll say it right now. There are 50, there are 14 other teams in the West. The Rockets are probably 13. They are probably only ahead of San Antonio. And I don't know how, how that gets better unless you make a serious splash within free agency. So, you know, Harden is that guy that gets you there. And if you don't, then you're looking at losing 55 games and you are probably at the top of the lottery. And then it's at best a coin toss that you'll get to keep your pick. Yeah. Needing a serious splash in free agency in a year, oddly enough, where the, the serious splash in free agency that you could make the most likely one that you could make and the most sensible one that you could make is this one is yeah. hard no matter how you feel about it emotion logic whatever you're operating under this and is it, it. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you assets like i've heard people say well they can just trade for somebody and fit them fit them into the cap space yeah that's that's fine that that's an idea but you're giving up a lot in order to do that like you could go and let's say um We've talked about Carl Anthony Towns. Let's say he becomes available. Yeah, you could trade him. You could trade for him and fit him into your cap space, and that makes you a better team. But or he improves your roster. Well, it makes you a better team, but he improves your roster. But what are you giving up in order to do that? Are you going to give up your Brooklyn picks in order to get that done? Are you giving up, you know, your top five pick in this draft in order to get that done? It, it doesn't really seem like you're you're making yourself that much better by doing it, and this is something that I've kind of wanted to talk about during the postseason. These teams that have made the, the types of trades where you're cashing in your chips, it hasn't worked for any of them. You know, Atlanta traded uh, for DeJounte Murray. They went from, from one playoff win last year to two playoff wins this year. Um, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix won fewer playoff games this year after making the Durant trade. Uh, Minnesota with Gobert went from winning two playoff games to one playoff win. Uh, Cleveland made the Mitchell trade and they won one playoff game this year. I know they had a good regular season, but it didn't turn into anything in the postseason. So like 
it, it almost feels like you're just moving sand in the sandbox at that point to where you are. Yeah. You're, you're making yourself better in one area, but you're hurting yourself in others. So that's why when you have the chance to, to make a splash in free agency and spend your money there where you're only, you're not having to give up anything for your future, then you just do it. Yeah. Real quick on your point about the trades, not working or these trades for big splash star types. It's an interesting thought because one of my observations throughout the playoffs has been like, we all obviously know that it's a star driven league. You need to have stars to compete newsflash. Of course we know that, but the teams that have sort of survived and the ones that look like they've got the best chances are the ones with a level of depth to them that is notable. Like Denver and Boston, for example, are teams that are, that I feel like have been known for their depth, and and Denver especially now this year, and even the Lakers to an extent now. I think, especially when you look at the Lakers and Warrior series, like the Lakers back when we were watching them play against the Rockets, you know, before they made all those trades and and their team looked totally different. They didn't have anything but Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But then all of a sudden they make a few moves and and their depth and, and their sort of makeup of the team makes a lot more sense than it did before. And that mattered when they played against the Warriors because the Warriors, you could either say didn't have depth or certainly didn't trust it because they got a bunch of young guys that they've invested in that I didn't feel like I saw nearly enough of, you know, and and. and the result of it is that they're not a very deep team. Like it was basically Seth, uh, sorry, Seth Curry. I was going to mention him uh, in a moment, but it's basically Steph Curry and a bunch of guys uh, as opposed to the way it had been before when they were a much deeper team. So, uh, so that that's just a kind of an interesting caveat to me of how like it's such a star driven league, but the teams that are, that are actually surviving now are ones that have a certain level of depth to them and the, <laughs> the Rockets, my goodness, like they didn't, they had none of that. Um, and like, it's just, it, I don't know. It's just a, it's just sort of a, a you know, sort of a, a fascinating thing. Um, but I don't know, like with, with, with Harden and, and the offseason alternatives, this is how, this is how almost desperate it feels like to me. And, and desperate is not the right word because it's not like they necessarily have to do this. They can go all in on, oh, we're just going to build through the draft and we're young and Jalen Green and Jabari Smith are going to be great one day and, you know, we're, we're fine. I, like, I think they can actually sell that. But I, I slipped and mentioned Seth Curry a moment ago. When I look at this free agency class or this this upcoming free agent class and I think about what makes the most sense for the Rockets and, and the things that they should do, kind of going back to and supporting your point about, hey, the drop off after the a couple of guys that you would pay the max to the next guys that, that would raise your your ceiling or even your floor for that matter is pretty steep. The guy that I want after, like if you just put James Harden aside, like the if, if I'm just looking at, free agent targets for the Rockets and I'm like, Hey, who, who would be great for them? And I look at the list and I know you mentioned Kyle Kuzma. Somebody's interested in Yaka actually is also an interesting player, but I'm like, Hey, Seth Curry, give me some Seth Curry. <laughs> give me some Seth Curry off the bench. I I need some shooting. I need, I need the player who Garrison Matthews, you know, thought that he was, I need that actual guy, you know, like that. That's what we're talking about. And, and sort of the point here is that, it's just not a strong free agency class. We talked about this before, but just to reiterate, man, like after James Harden and of course, you know, Kyrie Irving uh, without some of the other stuff, I think would be like just off of basketball reasons alone would be somebody that I would be interested in on like on, under any normal context, but we understand it's not a normal context with that guy. So like outside of that, I'm like, Hey, give me a little Seth. Give me, give me the other Curry brother. And Hey, I, I think that raises the floor of the Rockets a little bit because at least they have some outside shooting. Like that's what we're talking about when we, when we go back to the point that you were making earlier about desperation is something that you got to do, a move that you got to make here. You know who else would love for the Rockets to get Seth Curry? Opposing Who's offenses. It? Opposing offenses? Yes. Because oh, oh, yeah, because yeah, because he would be barbecue. It's somebody yeah. that you can target. You know, yeah. Uh, you're, not, you're not the first person who's mentioned this. If, if Seth Curry weren't six one, 
hey, sign me up. But he's six one and really can only guard one position. And no, that's not that's that's not somebody like I get the shooting aspect of it. Right. But, and he makes you worse in so many other different areas. The, the reason why they kind of like Garrison Matthews because of the size. Right. Right. Just, Matthews just didn't shoot it consistently enough. Like if you if, if Garrison Matthews had a, a Seth Curry type of you know consistency with his with his shot, he would have played for them and he'd still be on the team and he'd be you know in a much better spot you know in this league. But you know, unfortunately, he just doesn't shoot it well enough in order to get there. Yeah, or if, or if Seth was, if, if he was Garrison Matthews size, hey, he'd be a different story. Yeah, he he'd be in demand. He he would have played for for Brooklyn. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. We were talking about offseason alternate routes. And I think that if we just move on to the significance of this lottery that's coming up on Tuesday, it in and of itself is an alternate route. Now, I don't think it's one that until it actually happens and until we actually know what comes of it is something that we can bank on or say because it's a lottery. It's we don't know. We just do not know right now as we talk, as we speak right now. But can we put into context the significance of it? Obviously, Victor Wimbanyama is at the top there, and that's what's around the that's sort of what's around the corner there. If you get that number one overall pick, it it sort of solidifies what your plan is for the future. Like, what are the Rockets doing? What are the Rockets? Who are the Rockets? Will they get that number one pick? We got the answer. They're, they are Victor Wembanyama's team and just figuring out how to build around that guy. But as we know, it, there's a much greater percent chance that they don't get that. It's, you know, like somewhere around 14% that it happens, closer to 86% that it doesn't. Okay, roundabout, give or take. So understanding that and knowing that, how would you articulate the significance of this moment in which they cannot control and what is sort of your idea as we're talking about alternate routes? What is sort of your idea if let's just go down the line and they get the two pick? I feel like we're pretty sure that that's Scoot Henderson, but say that they're outside the top three. And I feel like we've talked about this before as well, but as we're closer to it now, how do you see this playing out? What What is the significance of this very moment? Well, obviously it's, it's hugely significant because you are looking at landing probably a generational type talent. And I don't think, I think he is probably the most anticipated guy to enter the draft since LeBron James 20 years ago. So, I mean, there you that's where you get into the generational stuff. That's you have a 14% chance of that happening. Now, if they don't get him, all is not lost because I, I do think that, once you get to two and three, those are two really good players also with Henderson and with Miller. And they, so they've got a 40% chance basically of staying in the top three. That's, that's what they're looking at. So I, I know that the focus has been on one just because of how transcendent he is, but two and three, and that's not a bad consolation either. So if you can somehow, you know, stay within that top three, I think you're happy. This is what, if I said, hey, you're not getting women, Yana, you're not getting one, but I'll give you three. I'll give you two or I'll give you three. Are you taking it? You lose your chance of of one, but you get two or three. You don't fall further than third. Are you taking that? You taking that deal? It, it, losing my chance. So if I don't take it, I still have my chance at one. Then no. Well, yeah. You're right. Based based off of your scenario, if I if I if I decline, I still do reserve my chance. chance. But yes, you have I'm, your fourteen percent chance. Well, I'm I love to, this. Yeah, yeah, no, paint it again. Let the because no, I, right, right, I, right. I wasn't ready for this. Let's do this again. Paint it again because so, uh, I wasn't ready, but I thought about this. Do it again. You're, you're giving you have, me the, the the opportunity. Hey, you're you're eliminating. So, the number so here, here's what it is. You okay. either get one. Or you get two and three. You, you get a you get your fourteen percent chance for one, or you're guaranteed two and three. Those are your two choices. So you can either roll the dice on one, your fourteen percent, or I'm giving you, I'm giving you two or three. Oh man, this is this is a, a very much why I don't gamble and a, a testament to my poor judgment. But I, I am. 
especially if I maintain my my same odds that I would have without this scenario and, and just, you know, the 14% and still have the 40% of getting the top three, yeah. like all like, No, no. It's either 14% on one. Okay. Or, or you get two, two or three. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm an idiot. If I, if I, if I say the thing that I want to say, you know, you know, the, you it, roll the, the dice. I, I you, know the, you know the impulsive side of me actually wants to say, and I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. The hell with it. I, there are no ramifications. I'm not in charge here. Hell with it. I'm I'm going for that opportunity, for that chance to get that generational talent, the guy that has not been uh, the type of prospect that we have not seen in 20 years. In Victor Wembanyama, I, I still want that chance and that opportunity. But I I do love this scenario and this idea. Because the next two players, if you can guarantee me one of those next two players, you're also guaranteeing that you're raising, I, I feel like at least raising the floor of the Rockets in an alternate way, you know, a non-James Harden way. Like one of those players could, I feel like, make you better sooner rather than later, sooner rather than later, later even though they are a rookie themselves and would be somebody that needs some development. So I, I think that is interesting. And I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like Henderson and Miller would probably go number one in any other draft. Like if you yeah. put those two guys in last year's draft, they probably go number one. I don't know if I can guarantee something like that, but I feel pretty confident in saying that they would go number one if this were last year's draft. I would put it like this, and, and, and I'm not I'm not sure about that either. I would tend to agree, but the way I've looked at it, like when I, whenever I look at a mock or think about the players that could go at the top of the draft, I feel pretty confident saying that after Victor, those are the last two guys that I feel pretty confident saying that if not the best player on a championship caliber team, they could be one of the two best players on a championship caliber team someday. There's not really another player in this draft that I feel like, and, and that's, that's not to say that he doesn't exist, but I feel like, confident saying hey that guy that guy could be a number two or a, a part of a big three on a championship caliber team you know michael porter jr floor type of thing and and hey you know maybe he's jason tatum or jalen brown type of level player uh caliber player like that that that's where the list for prospects in this draft ends for me is after the top three with brandon with you know scoot henderson and brandon miller it, you know it, it's hard because like the Thompson twins, I think most people would have it as the four, fourth and fifth. And yeah. they, played, they played in the overtime elite, which nobody saw. Um, Anthony Black was okay in Arkansas. Jerry, then you're getting into Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendrick, you know. So the the level of prospect, it, it does take a dip. And a lot, of the, a lot of these guys we really didn't see once you got into March. Like, you know, Cam Whitmore is the ninth. Pro I'm going by Kevin O'Connor's big board. Cam, Cam, yes, Cam Whitmore ninth. Cam Whitmore at Villanova didn't make the NCAA tournament. Taylor Hendricks is eighth at uh, Central Florida. They didn't make the NCAA tournament. We saw, I saw a lot of Jarris Walker. To me, Jarris Walker could be a really good NBA player, but he's not like a franchise changing type guy. And he said, yeah, he, he's and, like, he's like Robert Williams or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably a pretty decent comparison for him. So that's why. For me, if it's me, I, I'm thrilled to just stay in the top three, and I would be more than happy to take that. Now, here here comes the question. Now, obviously, if they wind up with one, we know who they're taking. That's an easy one. But what if they wind up with two? That's where, to me, things get really interesting, and I think that's where the decisions come. So if if they wind up at two, do you take Henderson and just let him roll at point guard. And then what does that do when it comes to Harden? Because like, are, are you, if you sign the draft comes before free agency, but I think that they'll have a pretty good idea of what James Harden is going to do by the time we get to the draft. So that's just how this works. You know, teams tamper teams, teams, they'll, they'll know, they'll know what he wants to do. So are you passing on Scoot Henderson at two because you're going to have James Harden or do you like Brandon Miller enough? To me, I really like Brandon Miller. I think that he has skills that are really hard to find. I think that he's the type of player that's really difficult to find. So for me, I'm going with Brandon Miller, but I, I do think that if they decide to go with Henderson, what would that do with the pursuit of Harden? And does that change anything with what they want with Harden? Because obviously we know next year is an important year. So do you want to, you know, waste bullets essentially 
by going with Harden and then drafting uh, Henderson. Does the answer not depend on a lot of like what do you think Scoot Henderson is? Oh like, yeah, percent. You, you know because to me, if Scoot Henderson is is what he's billed as, and what I think a lot of people think he is, to me that would almost in a lot of ways bail you out of needing Harden. Like I don't, I, I feel like with Scoot Henderson. Like Harden can obviously provide some things that Scoot Henderson, especially not off the rip without having never played an NBA game, can simply just not provide for you. That I know Harden can provide for you. I get it, but he is a point. He is like of the ilk of point guard, and of course the athleticism is off the charts. And him as a prospect, like he could be an elite player in the NBA. And like you pair him with Jalen Green, like all of a sudden. If like if the pick is Scoot Henderson or if he's right there available to you, to me, it does change the calculus of how badly you even need James Harden. And then to me, it's a question of, okay, is being able to address this specific need through the draft and especially with a player the caliber of Scoot Henderson, does that mean now that I can spend this money a lot more freely? Like whatever combination, let's say that there is a combination of free agents that they like that maybe they could spend the money that they would give Harden, say the max. I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know what Harden would exactly cost, but let's say Harden costs the max, but there's a combination of free agents that they might want to spend that money on and they draft Scoot Henderson. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a better, certainly long-term play when you talk about the development of young players, but maybe even a not so bad short-term play as well. I, I think it is. I don't think it's a great short-term play because we've seen the last two years what it's like having an inexperienced point guard, and it's not great. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of losses. And when they're kind of in, I'm not going to say they're in win now mode, but they are certainly in a we need to win mode. And to me, I don't know if having another rookie point guard or another inexperienced point guard is going to help them win basketball games. So. Now that's a short-sighted decision. Now, if if you're sitting there and saying, you know what, I think that Henderson is a better player moving forward than Miller, but I want to win games this year, so we're going to take Miller instead. I don't think that's a smart way of going about it. But that's where that's where the Harden thing becomes really interesting. And so, I, I I'm very I, I kind of want to see them get two, just because I want to see what they would do with it. I, I'm I'm more just for a curiosity standpoint. I want to see them get to because I, I just want to see what the approach would be and what direction that they would go with that. So, and if they get one, then that's an easy decision. They're taking the center. All right. So you've actually sold me on that being a more interesting question and thing to look at and observe when we go into this. So since we've addressed that already, let, let's go back to a, a question and we can get out on this, but it's one that we've, already addressed on the podcast previously, but I want to revisit just as I've kind of thought it through a little bit more. We've talked about what happens if they fall out of this, outside of the top three. And you've mentioned, and I'm with you on this, I feel like they'd be more inclined to want to trade that pick if they fall outside of the top three. Fair enough. But I'm also looking at it, and when I'm thinking about the Thompson twin and, and black from, uh, from Arkansas. Like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's still not a guy that could help that, that could not help them. You know, like I, I get the obvious argument for packaging that pick to go get a star, you know, package it for a star that's maybe disgruntled or that's on his way out. You know, you know, Jalen Brown whispers, something like that. I get it. And, and certainly if you can do that, I'm not saying that either of these Thompson twins or some kid out of college is worth passing up on an opportunity to get Jalen Brown. That That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that it's, you know, it's, it's worth at least thinking about players even beyond the ones that you think could be franchise players, just to think about how they could be supporting cast members with players that you expect to take the next step, like a Jalen Green and like a Jabari Smith. So, could Amon Thompson or um, or or Black from uh, from Arkansas could like could one of these guys actually be somebody that uh, that that could help this team? Are are you dead set on trading out of that pick if it's outside of the top three, or is there a player at all outside of the top three 
that would be worth draft drafting in the top five, let's say. I wouldn't be dead set against it, but if they didn't owe the pick to Oklahoma City next year, that changes everything. Like if they if they were in full control of their draft for 2024 and they could afford to go through another rough year, a year where you know maybe they're not losing 60 games, maybe they lose 50 games, then it becomes a little bit more acceptable where you can, you know, be a little more organic with the build. And you can still kind of try to continue to build through the draft. But because of that pick going to Oklahoma City, to me, I think it changes how they approach things. Um, now, that being said, let's say you sign Harden, you sign a couple of other guys, and let's say you want to improve your defense so you draft Jarris Walker. I think Jarris Walker comes in day one and he helps you. I think that he certainly makes you a better team. Um He's got to become a better rebounder, but that's besides the point. But I, I do think that, but so he, he'll help you, but does he, is he enough? Like, is he the type of guy that's going to help you win enough games, not just in, in uh, the 2023-2024 season, but in years to come to where you're kind of okay with maybe losing a top, you know, five to eight pick to Oklahoma City next year. So I think it's, I'll be interested to hear from Rafael Stone uh, if we're able to talk to him before the draft or after the lottery, but like, is your off season, do you change anything this off season that maybe you would have ordinarily done because Oklahoma city, not only, not only does Oklahoma city kind of control your draft next year, but they also have it in 25 with the pick swap. And then also in 2026. So that's where this thing becomes complicated. And you know, when they say that we are now in stage two of the rebuild or whatever, Tillman Fertitta uh, said uh, during the Yudoka press conference, I think that that basically to them means, okay, it's time to start winning. I think that you could say we're still in stage one if they own their 2024 first round pick. You know what? It It's really an interesting parallel with the, with the two Houston professional sports franchises that haven't been good for a while now, or at least for the last few years now. Because when you think about it, like not only have they not been good for a few years, not only has there been some level of dysfunction associated with them not being good for a few years, and not only are both of them now entering a season with a new head coach, okay? Um, that's yeah, certainly the situation is a little bit different with the Texans, but even for the Rockets, it's a different head coach from when they started, honestly started their rebuild. Like they are also in a position now going into their upcoming seasons where the rebuild kind of has to be over. Like it, they are not really allowed, whether they're going to be bad or not is its own question. And they'll, they'll be the ones to determine that. But from a, just a practical, Hey, here's how resources have lined up and how they're allocated and, and what it all means. They can't be bad. They just cannot, or they can't be a certain level of bad. You know, like they've, there is a certain level of improvement that both the Houston Texans and the Houston Rockets have to attain, not just because they're a few years into this sort of process, but also because of what the picks, where the picks are, the, the decisions that have been made. And, and, you know, for the Texans, it's the choice that they just made at the draft trading away next year's their own first round pick next year for the chance to to move up and draft Will Anderson. And then for the Rockets, it's what you just articulated is that, Hey, you know, you don't really have your, you don't really control your draft next year, you know, a after this upcoming season. So you kind of have to, for your own sake, uh, on the one side to not aid your own opponent and for the other side, just because it just does not reward you or benefit you in any way, you now have to be good. Like it's, it's a very interesting thing that they would be sort of on these parallel tracks from the beginning of their rebuilds and, and the dysfunction and now to the end of it, the, the forced end of it and what that actually means. It's like, Hey, you know, you gotta be good now, young, ready or not. Like it's gotta, it's the, the clock is ticking and, and you kind of gotta make it happen now. And the thing with the Rockets, though, they've known for years that this was going to be the year. Yeah. Because they, everything was aligned with the cap space. They knew that the pick, that the 2024 first round pick was probably going to go to Oklahoma City. So they have been planning for the last couple of years that, hey, 
once we get to summer 2023, that's where we really have to start pushing the chips in. The Texans kind of did it by choice on the fly. The Rockets have known really ever since they started this process that this was going to be the year. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough distinction. All right, man. So, look, we've got a big week coming up, like to to say the least. And I think we just spent the last hour telling you guys why. I mean, James Harden season is over with, and so let the – clock begin and let the speculation and conversation and whatever else you want to call it let that just continue until free agency and we'll see how everything plays out but before that we've got the lottery on tuesday and i'm hoping and i'm thinking that there's going to be something real special for you guys on sports radio 610 obviously we've got the podcast that will bring you guys later on in the week but we'd like for it to be that our lottery show could be your next podcast, could be your next edition or your next episode, I should say, of the H-Town Who's podcast. Hopefully, is some sort of live on-air special that includes myself and Adam Spillane. Just, and maybe just, some say more other. just say we're doing it so the bosses don't have a choice. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, so our, our teammates at Sports Radio 610 in some combination will join myself, Brandon Scott, and Adam Spillane your co-host of the H-Town Who's podcast on an NBA draft lottery special as the implications for the Houston Rockets are exponential. Let's just put it that way, and we'll see how it plays out. So hopefully we're talking to you um, with some good news later on in the week. But for now, for Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez, handling things for us behind the scenes, I am Brandon Scott. This is H-Town Who's podcast. Subscribe, tell a friend.